Many Johnson County families are facing childcare challenges as the COVID-19 pandemic continues. On this episode, hear from our child care program expert and a local provider to discuss some of the difficulties with keeping kids and staff healthy and facilities operating. Whether you live in or just love Johnson County, Kansas, JOCO On The Go has everything Johnson County. Here's what's happening and what's coming up in the community you call home. Thanks for joining us for JOCO On The Go. I'm your host, Teresa Freed, a Johnson County resident and employee of Johnson County government. Many working parents of young children are having a tough time right now. The rise in COVID-19 cases in our community is taking a toll. With quarantine and isolation requirements and a highly transmissible variant out there, childcare facilities and parents are struggling. Here to talk more about that, we have with us Eldana Chestnut. She's the Johnson County Department of Health and Environment Childcare Licensing Division Director and we also have with us Lisa Heinbach, a local child care provider in Shawnee. Thank you both for being here. Thank you, Teresa. Here. All right. Just to start off with, um, I'll have you kind of introduce yourself and your role. Um, Eldana, if you want to begin with uh, kind of what you do for Johnson County, and then also if you can describe the division of responsibilities between Johnson County and the Kansas Department of Health and Environment as it pertains to child care. Sure. Thanks for having us, Teresa. So basically, I, as she said, I am the division director of child care licensing and our relationship with KDHE. So essentially, we are contracted with the state so that we are essentially the, the boots on the ground. I guess you say we do the local, the regulatory work at the local level. So we are there to support the providers, answer their questions, do their visits, do everything like that. And then everything is sent up to KDHE visit wise um, for them for any enforcement actions or anything along that line. Okay, and Lisa, if you wanna talk a little bit about your facility and your role. Uh, good morning, my name is Lisa Heimbach. I am the Goddard owner here in Shawnee, Kansas. We work with children ages infant through five years of age and have about 140 students at our school. Um, so thank you. All right. Well, thank you very much for being here once again. So, you know, the, the big topic of conversation right now is we've got this Omicron variant in the community. It's very transmissible. And I just can't even imagine the struggles that providers are going through right now trying to uh, stay in operation and then keep their staff healthy and, and help with the kids staying healthy. So uh, maybe we'll start with Eldana. Can you talk about what you're hearing from providers in terms of what they're they're experiencing? Sure, thank you. So yes, we had a provider meeting just a few days, two days ago, and and we get phone calls all the time. So yes, definitely, which I'm sure Lisa can attest to. It it's horribly stressful. You know, it's horribly stressful for providers because they're kind of um, getting it from both sides. You might say, you know, they're trying their they're trying to keep open. They're trying to keep the kids safe. So they're getting hold of us and we're trying to give them best guidance, evidence-based uh, guidance on what to do. But then they're also getting pushback from the parents. So I think it's just everybody is just maximum stress level right now, just trying to do the best we can, hoping that we're getting closer to being done with this. Yeah, as a parent of young children, you know, I'm on a lot of social media groups where I'm seeing conversations about you know, these challenges. And of course, you're hearing it directly from your parents. Lisa, do you want to talk a little bit about, um, you know, as a provider, what are you experiencing? Yeah, and I, I'd agree with Aldana. Just you, we want to, we want to do the best thing for everyone, right? We want our students to stay healthy and well. We want our parents to be able to uh, 
be at work and do what they need to do and um, keep our doors open, right? And yet we're faced with, like you shared, um, a variant that's really contagious this go around. And so it's just been um, challenging to do that well. uh, And so trying to do the best we can. And so the pandemic, it's, it feels sort of never ending at this point. And I know like safety precautions and things like that have evolved as we've moved through this. So what does that look like in a facility? Um, What are some of those safety measures that are taking place? So from our standpoint, what we try to do is whenever a provider calls and says they have a positive case, uh, we try to go through with them. Okay. Who was exposed? Who was masked? Who was, you know, who was there? Uh, We try to give them as much flexibility as possible. One of the things we've done in Johnson County that not all of my peer counties have done is called cohorting. And so if their facility reports one case, but there's no other children positive in that classroom or symptomatic, and especially if it's an external exposure, meaning that the child probably caught the virus from somebody outside the daycare. Then we do allow that facility to keep that room open. Uh, we do encourage them to make sure their parents know about that, know what to watch for, really be assessing those kids for signs and symptoms. And then unfortunately, if there is two or more cases in the classroom, especially if it's deemed to be internal spread, then for the health and safety of those children, then we do ask to close that classroom down. And the, as you're, you're so right, things change so frequently with, uh, through the, I can't believe it's only been two years, um, but we do try to give them as much flexibility as possible. And now with the new guidance, you know, it, it, it was, it was, they were out for 10 days. You know, if you're, you're positive case, you're out for 10 days, your exposures are out. And we we're able to help out with a little bit on that from 14 to 10. And okay, well, they can test at day six. And if they're asymptomatic exposure and they they get a negative test, they can come back at day eight. And then now with the five days, so it really kind of depends on the age of the kids and if they can mask. Because if we can get everybody masked and a quality mask, and we can get them um, to to be able to wear their mask well uh, when they're old enough, then we can keep those kids in the facilities and keep them safer. However, with the younger ones that are totally unable to mask and unable to vaccinate, then we have to be a little more stringent in our recommendations. So I think, you know, it it really, I think it has helped with kids being able to get vaccinated now because we're able to keep them in the, in the facilities without having to say, okay, everybody out, you know, we're able to give more options to continue to come to care. And so Lisa, do you want to talk about how the quarantine and isolation, all of that impacts from an operating perspective, but then also how does that impact the the families? Yeah. And I, so a couple of things just that we're doing at, you know, at our school to try and minimize it is, I think the biggest thing that's been helpful um, is that as a community, and I mean, my parents and my teachers, uh, just communicating early signs of illness, right? And uh, they let us know here in the front office, and we really walk through the next steps because as, as proactive as we can be to keep it out um, ensures that we're able to keep our rooms open. And so just my community of families and staff have done an amazing job of that, and I'm thankful for it. And then, of course, we are um, taking temperatures. We're doing the rigorous cleaning that child care centers is, are known for. Um, we're strongly recommending that those who can mask, mask, um, following the guidelines of uh, 
the health department as well. And um, to Aldana's point, just thankful that they have really worked with us um, as a county and locally to, to address uh, the, the problems and challenges. And I think it has helped us keep classes open um, in the midst of this. So thankful for that. Aldana takes our calls uh, at all hours and will specifically look at each classroom and what is occurring and help uh, us make good decisions. So when a facility has to, to close a classroom, what are the, the options available for parents? Well, from our standpoint, like I say, that's kind of, we really try not to close if we don't have to. We don't want to make that recommendation. And any time we do, it's not taken lightly. It's usually in consultation with a couple of EPIs and disease investigators and everything, we're trying to go over all the options. But from our standpoint, when we make that recommendation to close the room, that means that those families should be staying home. You know, if the room has to close, that's a serious move. And that, that, that means that those kids shouldn't just go on to another daycare center. They shouldn't go on to out running around, you know, going to mall or, or whatever. And they, they should stay at home and they should be uh, quarantined because that's kind of the intent. We're really trying to get to break that chain of infection. And we're, you know, that's one of the concerns that we actually have is that, okay, the room's closed, but now where are these kids ending up at? So we really want to get that message across is if your room, your child's room gets closed, please keep those kids at home and quarantined. Yeah, I imagine that is a very challenging thing for parents. Um, you know, I have a four-year-old and uh, he's in preschool half day and, you know, he wears his mask as best he can, but, uh, you know, when kids are that young, it's it's hard to always enforce those those safety precautions. I can't imagine, um, you know, the difference between like when my nine year old was was a toddler or a baby in a daycare facility. Um, you know, you just kind of live with the fact that kids get colds and and it's those are contagious and you just that's the way it is. But at this day and age, if a child uh, shows a sign of a cold, what do you do? Like, is it is it passed off as a cold, or do you say as soon as I start seeing a runny nose, you know, that's time to take action? Just like Aldana works with each center, Aldana and her team, I should say, uh, works with each center so well to look at each situation. We do that with our families as well, right? So that's why um, we communicate out, call us first, and let's walk through symptoms, and let's walk through the history of allergies that you know with your child, or what else may be in the home or going around and really lean into working with our pediatricians as well um, and realizing that we don't jump right away to uh, say that all things are COVID because there's a lot of other illness going around and trying to be very um, uh, wise in next steps to the best of our ability. Uh, it's not going to be perfect, but um, I think just communication is the key through it. If I could add on to that, I think that's a really great point because we, we get so caught up in COVID that we forget other diseases are still out there. And especially now we're into the flu season as well. So, you know, we do want to encourage folks to remember that unfortunately flu and COVID have a lot of similar symptoms. So that a lot of times if they are testing for for one to test for the other, and that that will help their daycare facilities as well. Know if it's something contagious that they need to be aware of and addressing, or if it's just 
just a cold. And so next, I just want to look at sort of the landscape of child care in Johnson County. What are we seeing in terms of trends? Are people, uh, the providers, are they getting overwhelmed and closing down because there's just so much to deal with? Or are we seeing more of them popping up or, or what are we seeing? Well, I'll address the first part. So we continue to have new applications coming in, um, both centers and homes, and probably not as not as fast as we did pre-pandemic, but we are still seeing new applications. In fact, just today, well, this week, I've had two requests for new center meetings. So that, that's good for the county. We overall are seeing um, a, a small decrease in the total number of facilities that permanently close, but that's very few that in the past few years even even that have permanently closed as far as a center standpoint, our homes open and close all the time. So I really am not connecting that 100% to COVID. Um, I think there's a lot of reason that home providers open and close. It could be that they retire, they are moving, they're you know changing houses and they have to have a new license. So, so I really think that while yes, we've had some several temporary closures, um, especially on the home side, because if you have, it, that's where they live. That's where their daycare is. So if they have a positive case there, it's more likely that they end up having to close their facility, you know, for for five to ten days just because it is their home as well. Where the centers have a little more flexibility on that, they're they're able to like do a room or two at a time versus having to close a whole center. Now that said, we have had in just this week. Um, I think part of it is the we've been doing this for two years. We're tired. You know, and there's a staffing shortage and, you know, you're worried about people are worried about their own health plus everything else. So we have had in the past week, a couple of facilities that have said, you know, we, we're just going to take a short break. You know, we have very few kids coming. We have a lot of uh, people out sick. We have staffing shortages. So we'll, we're going to close for a week or two weeks. Um, but I think that it's more, it, it's not widespread, which is good. So in pre-pandemic, we had definitely tons of, of openings for childcare. And not to say that we don't now, it's just, it is getting more difficult because of the staffing shortages, as well as the disease rate at this point in time. You know, another trend I'm seeing, or at least some conversation is that providers are in a position where they're raising rates, uh, maybe because of the increased costs associated with all the safety precautions and operating. Um, can you talk about that? Are you seeing that? On a um, annual basis, one of our resource and referral agencies, Daycare Connection, they do an annual survey, price survey, and it's for daycare homes. It doesn't hit the centers, but they do survey all the centers and then they will um, say, well, here's what in the school district, here's the average price. So it will be interesting to see this year if there's any changes on that side. But from that, pretty much back to Lisa for the rest of that. Teresa, you're absolutely right across the board. I think with uh, other centers in my area, that is um, something that we've all had to do because of the rising costs. A lot of our supplies that we get to run have had have doubled in costs, if not tripled. And then the probably the most significant that is the greatest uh, cost to all of us is the staffing, and um, that has uh, that has increased uh, significantly as well. So, in order to make sure that we uh, remain open and um, 
um, are able to provide the care that we do, we've had to do that. And so on, on the other side of that, are we seeing as a response, are we seeing more parents making that tough decision about maybe one parent is a stay-at-home parent so that we, we're not using childcare any longer? Are you seeing any of that? On my end, at least, I have I've not seen that the uh, what's happening. Actually, the need for care. Um, I am turning away a lot of families because my next available opening is so far down the road, um, and I I feel really bad because I just uh, realized that I think care finding care is uh, challenging. What resources are available for parents who are running into this issue where they're they're not able to find childcare like they typically could. So, yeah, I think that, you know, to, to answer your question directly, um, the resource referral agencies, and we have two in our county that work with us, Daycare Connection and the Family Conservancy. And when I spoke with, with Daycare Connection, there is still a lot of openings, especially like, well, they, they deal mainly in those homes. And they're, um, there's a lot of openings, but the problem is it's not always where the parent wants it. Now, some of our really good facilities, they'll have a long waiting list. Um, but you've got that that's kind of where the challenge is, because in Johnson County, we have nearly a thousand facilities in our county. So and that's gone down some. It's gone down um, when I first started about 20 years ago, we were at 1300 facilities and we're down to close to a thousand now. But I think the biggest challenge on our county pre-pandemic was it just wasn't where they wanted it at. And the now I think it is more challenging, as, as Lisa mentioned, the fact that some facilities aren't taking new kids. We have some of our facilities that are connected with businesses that are have told me, oh, you know, we're only going to take just employee kids right now. So it is becoming more challenging right now due to the pandemic. But I really feel like once we get out from under that, that will lessen. So to, to circle back to your direct question. So right now, if parents are looking for care, they should contact the resource referral agencies. And again, the, you can Google that um, their phone numbers. They're on our website. Um, if they, they're both Daycare Connection deals mainly in homes. And their database is set up by school district. So if somebody says, I'm looking for daycare home in the school district, then they'll be able to provide that. Uh, Family Conservancy is main office in Wyandotte. They have a satellite office here to serve our county as well. And their their database set up just a little bit differently. But again, the provider, or the, sorry, the parent would say, here's what I'm looking for. I want a home, I want a center, I want this location, I have a child this age group. And then they're able to give them a list of facilities that, they can, that the parent then can reach out to. Um, the challenge is, of course, keeping everything current right now, because if both R&Rs do um, check in with their facilities and say, how many openings do you have, what's going on, and trying to keep current. But with things changing so fast right now, and especially with the, a room could be open today and closed tomorrow, it, it's really, it is making it quite the challenge. Um, but I think that's still the best way to go. And we do careful about social media. I guess I would say we don't, um, we don't encourage parents just to go on to, oh, hey, I've got this childcare, come to me, because there is a illegal childcare. And basically what that means is in Kansas, you have to be licensed to provide childcare. And that's two or more children greater than 20 hours a week, total care. And so if somebody just says, okay, I'm just gonna start caring for kids, 
the, the safeguard is gone for the parents because when you're a licensed facility, you have my staff coming in on a, at least a yearly basis. We do an initial visit where we look at everything, all the regulations, and they're all health and safety based. And then, of course, they, you know, centers too, they get that same thing. Um, if there are problems, if there are things that were in noncompliance, we're back checking on that. And then, of course, the complaints, anytime that a parent or a neighbor or a repairman, we've got, kind of gotten them from everywhere, sees anything that concerns them, then they contact us. And then we're going to go out and investigate that. So with our whole roles, make sure that the kids are a healthy, safe learning environment. So when you're taking your, when a child goes to an illegal care, you've kind of removed all of those safeguards on the parent's side. All right. That's some good information. And just as we wrap up today, um, we want to give give our listeners some hope that, you know, things are going to improve. I know nobody knows when the pandemic itself will end. And, and we just know a lot of parents are, are struggling right now to, to deal with this very important issue. So in addition to the, the referral resources that are available, what, what additional support might be available to, to parents? I guess from the standpoint of where we as licensing deal with parents, would be if a parent calls and says, I'm looking for daycare, we're gonna refer them to the resource referral agency. If they have a question about their daycare, then we're gonna talk to them and help them to understand that. So from our standpoint, we're supporting the providers. So if a parent says, well, I my, my daycare said I couldn't come to care because of isolation, quarantine, whatever, we're going to review those guidelines and help them make sure that they know that, you know, what's going on with their daycare. Again, a licensed facility gives parents safer, more safeguards than a um, unlicensed facility. So from, like say, from our standpoint, that's probably pretty much how the contact we have with parents is when they call in. Um, I, I think some of the centers do um, newsletters and they're communicating. So I, I don't know uh, exactly what all centers do. So I don't know if there's anything else that, that you would wanna add on that, Lisa. Yeah, I mean, just in the midst of this, uh, how do we support our families? Um, I mean, we we just continue to work as a team and communicate through it. And I would say through the course of the majority of COVID, we've been able to remain open and running and thriving um, and really ensuring that our kids feel the least amount of impact through all this, right? That That's the main goal. Um, and then uh, our families as well. Uh, so I'm hopeful in the days ahead that we're going to start seeing a return to normal. Um, and so I, I don't know, I guess I don't, I don't think we're too far from that. Let's certainly hope. <laughs> yeah. And we will have uh, some information on our, on the show notes of this episode about where uh, parents and providers can go to reach out to Eldana and her team to get more information about those safety measures that are in place and providing reassurance. And then also those uh, resource and referral guides uh, that can help parents and providers as well. Well, thank you both for being here today. Hopefully this information is useful to our listeners and thanks for listening. You just heard Joko on the go. Join us next time for more Everything Johnson County. Have a topic you want to discuss? We want to hear from you. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at JokoGov. For more on this podcast, visit jokogov.org forward slash podcast. Thanks for listening.